On this day in automotive history, February 16, 1843, Henry Leland was born. Leland was an early pioneer of American automotives and was the founder of both Cadillac and Lincoln. Two of those companies he founded, they still exist today. They're still you know, at the top of American luxury. I think that you could say he accomplished what he set out to do, which was to build America's great luxury brand. And he did it twice. The early automotive history buffs definitely lean on Henry Ford, but it is a tale of two Henrys. Today, we learn about Henry Leland's legendary career. This is Fuel for the Future, presented by State Farm Insurance and driven by America's Automotive Trust. I'm Michael May. Joining me to discuss Henry Leland is Brian Corey, the person behind automotivehistory.org and the digital and social media coordinator for America's Automotive Trust. Hi, Brian. Hello. Thank you for having me. Of course. So we have discussed including this day in automotive history as part of this podcast. And you are a bit of the brains behind this idea because of automotivehistory.org. Before we jump into Henry Leland, can you tell us a little bit about the website? Sure. So at some point during college, I read a book that had a similar premise, and it was just about conflict history, war history, uh, that really ran through battles and important people who were born on certain days uh, of the calendar year. And it had one story for every year or every day of the year. And being a car person, I kind of wanted to riff on that and led me to this day in automotive history, which just kind of started as a brain dump research hub on Facebook, like a, a random Facebook page that had no traction, no following, no nothing, but it was purely out of enthusiasm and it's grown over the past 10, 11 years into a website, a book, um, and hopefully now a podcast coming in the <laughs> near future. <laughs> That's so. right. But we'll definitely include some segments here on Fuel for the Future. And today, today of all days in the history, in automotive history, is the birthday for Henry Leland, who is one of the pioneers of the American automotive industry. And he's one that I think is often overlooked Everybody jumps to Henry Ford, of course, and rightly so. But there is Henry Leland, who was around and is a major component of automotive history. So tell us a little bit about the early life of Henry Leland. Yeah, I think you're correct. You know, the early automotive history buffs definitely lean on Henry Ford, but it is a tale of two Henrys uh, and a few other people, of course. But <laughs> Henry Leland was born... On this day, February 16th, 1843 in Vermont, uh, would educate himself in university at the University of Vermont. And I also read that he attended University of Michigan at some point, but uh, he ended up serving as a machinist in the U.S. arsenal during the Civil War. And it was at that point he also had the opportunity to vote for one Abraham Lincoln, casting his first presidential vote, which I think will come in to play a little later in our story. Mm. But as he progressed in his career, he had a lot of opportunities to work with many different precision uh, machining factories, one in particular being Brown and Sharp in Rhode Island, where he headed projects and production for sewing machines. And as you can imagine, that takes a lot of precise measurements uh, to, to produce those machines for highly accurate 
detailed work. And it's fascinating to think about somebody that was a toolmaker in the U.S. arsenal during the Civil War being part of something so modern as the automobile, right? Like it's it's fascinating to think that he existed and lived and was an adult during these time two time periods. Did his background as like a toolmaker and working in sewing machines, how did that help him get into automobiles? Yeah. So as you mentioned, he worked in firearms and that was where he really discovered the importance of parts interchangeability, which would become integral to being able to mass produce automobiles down the line. And then again, with the precision engineering of sewing machines, firearms, and other wood, like woodworking tools was a, a big product of his at a later date. All of those experiences allowed him to create machines that were so precisely engineered that they gained this reputation for you know, not breaking down, not uh, being too loud, not being too smoky. At, you know, at a time when the automobile was still in its infancy, all his achievements were really the culmination of all of his experiences. So tell me about Leland, Falconer, and Norton. When he was working at Brown and Sharp, he was a traveling repairman and ended up in Detroit at one point. And seeing the city's own industrial revolution happening with wagons and bicycles and factories. And, you know, this was still pre-mass production automobiles, very experimental age. Uh, he arrives there in 1890. And seeing all of the activity that's happening around him in his field, he decides this would be a great place to start my own shop. So he uh, packs up the family, including his son, Wilfred, I believe is his name, mm -hmm. moves to Detroit and gets linked up with a few different people. Um, Falconer, who was the financier behind the operation, and then Norton, who was an engineer design, uh, designer. Um, and they started building woodworking tools. And there was one instance where I saw that they ended up creating an electric uh, razor of sorts. Oh, yes, uh, I read that too. Yeah. 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 Oh, the, like hair clippers. A hair yeah. clipper, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, again, all kind of falls back to that precision engineering. Um, you don't want to nick yourself with a, <laughs> a razor. <laughs> so it's there with Falconer and Norton, who would later leave the company and move to England. You know, they're making bicycle parts, and they're really building this reputation for outstanding products. And one ransomy olds approaches Leland uh, in hopes that he can help him with building automobile transmissions. And that was a direct result of his ability to create uh, highly synchronized gears for bicycles. So Leland is given the opportunity to develop the engine for the old curved dash, uh, one of the prototypes in the late 1890s, early 1900s, that was Oldsmobile or Olds Motor Works at the time was developing. Yeah. And they ultimately didn't pick his engine to go into production, which would proved to be really important for kind of the rest of the auto industry in the yeah. next few years. It was about that time that Henry Ford was neck deep in his second automotive endeavor, as I guess you could call it, yes, uh, yes. his financed business, the first being the Detroit Automobile Works, and then the second being the Henry Ford Company. And it was at the Henry Ford Company that he and his partners kind of had a 
uh, a disagreement, we'll say, about the type of vehicles that they wanted to produce. Right. Uh, I believe Henry Ford was a little more interested in going fast, I guess we could say. Uh, <laughs> and of course, I think that he also, at the at this time already had the the vision for building a car for the everyman. Yes. And yeah. to most people, the automobile in the early 1900s was a toy for the rich. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, given that disagreement, Henry Ford walks away from the company that bears his name and his partners, unsure what to do with their factory, the parts that they've already produced, all their tooling, they go to Leland and Falconer, uh, and Henry Leland specifically, asking for his assistance in kind of liquidating the firm. They want to find out what it's worth, what they can get for it, how to right. just what, off- what can they sell, and how much can they sell it for? And right, right. They just want to offload this company that no longer exists, essentially, without Henry Ford himself. Mm-hmm. Well. Henry Leland, having developed a one-cylinder engine that was no longer going to be used by Olds, suggests to them, hey, let's rebrand this. Let's you know, redevelop this company into something that will work. I'm, I'm in line with your vision as investors. I have the products and the experience to, to build the car. So let's do it. And that is essentially the quick version of the birth of Cadillac. Right. And, and I always think it's, it, this is something that the every man doesn't know. And that is that Cadillac came from Henry Ford's second company. <laughs> right. Not and the course- Ford, not the Ford that came about later, but uh, from a failed, a failed business at the time, the Henry Ford company. And, and it became Cadillac, which is just so fascinating. It truly is. Uh, and I think the story gets even more interesting as we yes progress you know given that cadillac is essentially the henry ford company with a different engine they both debut about the same time both cars are well i guess we need to back up henry ford would quickly go on to yes start the uh the ford motor company mm-hmm. and he would also use the same body and many of the same components that he developed with his previous organization Correct. yeah and so uh Cadillac and Ford both debut cars about the same time, about six months apart in uh, 1903, I believe. Well, I think the first Cadillacs debuted publicly in January 1903, and the first Fords were being built by like June, July 1903. Okay, okay. And so, yeah, they look nearly identical. They use a different engine, and they're both called the Model A. And so that sets the stage for, for Cadillac versus Ford and the the, the kind of uh, arenas that they're going to play in, I guess we'll say, with Cadillac, aiming to be a luxury brand and Henry Ford still in its infancy, hoping to be the car of the everyman. Right. And let me ask you this. I'm sure we're going to get into a little bit more of this uh, relationship between Henry Leland and Henry Ford. Was this the start of them not necessarily liking each other? Or, or I always kind of read it as more Ford doesn't like Leland very much. Did it start with Leland coming in and kind of re, reorganizing his, the Ford, uh, the Henry Ford Motor Company? Or did it start with the Model A? Or had it started prior to all of that? 
That's a great question. I would hypothesize. I mean, how would you feel if I came and stole your podcast, renamed it something else, and yeah. put a better engine in it? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then to see how quickly it would turn around and actually start producing automobiles as well. I mean, it was only a matter of months. And so I have to imagine that Henry Ford saw that happening. Both of them are in Detroit. The auto industry is just starting to take off. And so I couldn't pinpoint when the, those ill feelings started to develop. But right. if, if I was present, if I was Henry Ford, I would be a, a little upset with what was going on. But of course, that might have been the fuel that really you know, turned up the heat for him. And What ends up happening with this Cadillac company as the years go on? In 1908, Henry Leland ends up selling Cadillac to William Durant and his newly founded General Motors which was the same year that Henry Ford comes out with the Model T. Mm-hmm. Lucky for Cadillac, I think, Henry Leland did end up staying on as president and general manager, I believe. Mm-hmm. As he led the company that he founded, he instilled a lot of what he learned in previous positions into the cars, the precision engineering, the parts interchangeability, and all of these things really helped to establish Cadillac as that luxury brand that I think he and his uh, financiers always wanted. One of the things that I think kind of pushed Cadillac to the next level was born a little bit out of tragedy and it's the electric starter. And it seems so simple now to be able to turn a key or push a button or tell your car (laughs) to turn on. (laughs) Uh, But in around 1910, Byron Carter, who was another automotive pioneer of the era was killed by a hand crank. Yeah. Uh, well, died of complications from being hit by a hand crank that smacked him in the jaw when he was trying to help somebody. And Henry Leland was a good friend of Byron Carter. And given this tragedy, he set out to develop a way to make it more easy to, to start your car and to use your car. And that led to the development of the electric starter, which would debut on most 1912 Cadillacs. Mm-hmm. A few years later, 1915, he introduces the L-Head V8, another revolutionary engine that would push Cadillac, you know, into the realms of power and pleasure, like beyond pleasure and beyond toy, being a toy for the rich. This car, this engine really helped to establish the company as a powerful vehicle that could be used day to day. So Leland, at this point, has been associated with Ford. He's been associated with Oldsmobile. (laughs) He's been associated with Cadillac. And then comes, like you mentioned earlier, he voted for Abraham Lincoln. Then comes Lincoln. How How did all that get started? Right. So World War I breaks out, and the U.S. didn't join it right away, but as they ramped up production knowing that they were going to enter the war the u.s government approached pretty much any manufacturer it could find saying hey we need your help uh, with the war effort and they approached general motors asking for assistance in the production of aircraft engine and i'm sure many other uh, products but uh william durant being a pacifist said no he didn't want General Motors involved in the war. And Henry Leland disagreed with this. And he 
decided to leave the company that he started, stepped away from Cadillac, cashed in on his stocks and severance, and with his son Wilfred, started the Lincoln Motor Company. Of course, the name pays homage to his first presidential vote. Mm-hmm. And they would go into production in 1917, producing Liberty aircraft engines. And yeah, and I've always read, and I could be wrong, but you just mentioned the the aircraft engines. Is that the only thing they were building at first when Lincoln started? Correct. So yeah, yeah. At, when Lincoln first started, it was purely born out of necessity for the war mm-hmm. effort. And once the war ends in 1918, they have to find something else to make. And Henry Leland, having seen the successes of the auto industry, decides to get back into it. So they retool their factories and begin planning their entry into the luxury car market. Once again, they being Henry Leland and his son, Wilfred. Mm-hmm. Fast forward two years to 1920 and the Model L debuts. And many people, I've, re- I've read a lot of reviews of the Model L, we'll say, and a lot of people compare it to the Model T saying it's just a slightly fancier, more expensive Model T in that it didn't offer a lot of the same luxuries that Cadillac did at the time. And so it not only did it suffer because of what it was, there's a post-war recession going on and Lincoln Motor Company just can't get on its feet. It's too bad that Lincoln ran into some issues there, or at least it's too bad for Leland. Eh? But, you know, an old an old foe or an old friend <laughs> it's reenters the pincher. Right, right. And I think it's important to note at this point, Henry Leland is... 70 something years old. Yeah. He's been in the industry a long time. He's, but he's, he's still not ready to quit. I mean, I think he's just pursuing it because it's what he loves. And he's, yeah. he's got that engineering brain of always trying to develop the next best thing. But unfortunately, yeah, he, he isn't able to pull it off, at least not on his own at this point. And so I think after about 3,400 Lincolns are built, investors in the company, kind of pull the plug, put it into receivership, and you're right. Now, an old friend shows up in the name of Henry Ford. He sees this as an opportunity. I, I think revenge is too strong of a word. Yeah, yeah. But perhaps a way to kind of right or wrong that he feels was done to him some 20 years prior. He's now very successful on the heels of the Model T, and as one of the most powerful men in America at this point, I, I think that he has no problem just throwing a bid in to take ownership of of Lincoln Motor Company as it as it stands, despite it being not profitable. Of course, he knows that the company has been valued at sixteen million, but he bids five million. Some say that it's a intentional slight at Henry Leland to take advantage of his situation. Uh, Ultimately, a judge blocks that bid, saying it's just too low. But he does end up, he, Henry Ford, does end up acquiring Lincoln Motor Company in 1922 for $8 million. $8 million in 1922 is roughly $146 million today. Which is actually a little less than I thought. It (laughs) is. It would be more than that. It is. It is. $8 million. And when you think 
just a few years later, Dodge Brothers would be sold for, I think, $125 million in in 1925 yeah. money which right, is right. you know almost a billion dollars at the time so just the the value of what henry ford had picked up was a lot of course the company was struggling and it would be edsel actually edsel ford henry's son who would kind of be instrumental in configuring lincoln as the ford motor company's luxury division henry leland he passed away if memory serves, he was about 89 or 90, 89 years old, 89. And did he stay in Detroit area for the rest of his life? Do you know? Yeah, actually, once Ford acquired Lincoln, him and Wilfred were allowed to stay on at the company. And again, he's 80 years old now. Yeah. And just not willing to give it up. But the strong men at Ford come in and kind of push Wilfred out of the picture. And with that, Henry Leland finally steps down from from Lincoln. And he does stay in Detroit, but he feels this sense of remorse because as part of the acquisition, Henry Ford was supposed to pay out investors their dividends, and he never ended up doing that. And so one of the last things that uh, Henry Leland does publicly in his life is pen a letter to all the investors of Lincoln who never got paid apologizing for for what happened. Wow. Um, So some accounts say that he passed away, you know, relatively sad, but of course he was quite wealthy nonetheless. (laughs) Yes. This time period always intrigues me. It's one of my favorite time periods of of automotive history because the the early days of all these car companies getting up and running reminds me of what was going on in the world when I was born which is the computer boom the home computer boom and the, the all the electronics of the late 70s and early 80s because you had every company that had anything to do with electronics was trying to get into computers Xerox was making computers Atari you know like everybody was trying to do computers but only a handful really latched on and made it through. And it's very similar to the the car industry because you had all these mom and pop companies getting involved with building automobiles. And you mentioned earlier that it's sort of a tale of the two Henrys. And I really, really love that because those are two, Henry Ford and Henry Leland, are two of the few that made it through. But unlike Henry Ford, Henry Leland is associated with all these major car brands that we all know so, so well for generations and generations. It is. It's truly fascinating. And, you know, two of those companies he founded, they still exist today. They're mm-hmm. still, you know, at the top of American luxury. Uh, so I think that you could say he accomplished what he set out to do, which was to build America's great luxury brand. And he did it twice. He did it twice. So that is this day in automotive history, February 16th, 1843, the birthday of Henry Leland, one of the early pioneers of the American automotive industry. Thank you for coming on and doing this. And we got to We got to do more. Do you just have in your memory? Is it just like, oh, today's Tuesday, March 11th. I know what happened today. Or do you actually have to look, look this stuff yeah. up? I am not that 
my, my brain's not wired that way. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say that. I have a law, a big library that I've put together through books and research and yeah. you know, on my website, automotivehistory.org. There's a few things that come to mind that I can recall, but just not in the cards for me to be able to <laughs> recall certain things yes. without a little uh, preparation. <laughs> well, that's like me too. Um, so yeah, everybody, please check out automotivehistory.org. You can see all sorts of fascinating things that have happened through automotive history on that. Uh, And again, Brian, thank you so much for being on. Until next time. This is Fuel for the Future, presented by State Farm Insurance and driven by America's Automotive Trust. Learn more at americasautomotivetrust.org.